Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest an investment fund manager, Charlotte Dunford of Johns Creek Capital. Before we dive in, I want to ask you a real quick favor. Would you mind please taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that five-star review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Charlotte is the managing partner of Johns Creek Capital, an investment management company that focuses on mobile home parks with total investor subscriptions over $4.2 million. Numbers-wise, they currently have 20 mobile home park investments, and Charlotte herself has created over $500,000 in asset value in the last 12 months. Charlotte comes from humble beginnings and is a first-generation American citizen and college graduate after leaving China with just her belongings at age 16. Charlotte, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Let's, uh, let's dive in here. Would you mind starting out by telling our listeners a little bit about your story and how you got into manufactured housing of all things? Right. So manufactured housing is definitely a niche within the real estate market. So when I graduated college from Georgia Tech here, a one of the top engineering schools here in the South, I took a corporate job that it focuses on data analytics. And I've always been interested in real estate ever since I was little. And in, here in the United States, you can actually own real estate. I like in China, where it's a uh, more of a, a communist regime where you can, you, have, you can, the only way to live in real estate is to uh, lease it from the government for 70 years, and then mm. you have to give it back. So you can never own anything. So I wanted to take the opportunity to buy real estate in America. So as soon as I started my first corporate job, I used my salary to finance the first deal, which was a single family home. And then I went on to a duplex uh, using the same kind of financing structure, using my salary, but that only goes so far. And about a year and a half after I work at my corporate job as a business analyst, uh, I decided to take the jump to become a full-time investor and full-time entrepreneur. And that was a really risky risky move for me because my husband at the time, I was was a student, student at college. He hasn't graduated yet. He didn't have an income. The little money saved and the little investments we had and the little 401k I had for a 1.5 years was nothing to launch a venture, let alone live on it until the venture takes off. But I decided that it was a calculated risk because I educated myself a ton on real estate and I would listen to podcasts on uh, like yours every day through my three hour commute back to and back from work. So I've learned a lot and through my actual experience investing the, in the duplex and sim, single family home, I had the confidence to, to make the jump. And so I, I quit my job and started my own investment company. And at the beginning, it was a little tough because I wanted to get into multifamily like a lot of people do. However, it was extremely heated market. The cap rate was way too low for me to yield any kind of profit. The barrier to entry was extremely high for someone who had not really any background in uh, multifamily investing. 
So I decided to look at a different asset class and mobile home park was still a very novel concept at the time. It was definitely an ignored topic. So I decided to look into that and I'm a big believer in avoiding competition and doing something where uh, most people do not recognize the potential for. And I think mobile home park was the perfect niche for me. And then I uh, started getting to deals with mobile home parks and this asset class, like any other real estate asset class um, can be a tough asset to manage. But I think it offered me a ton of opportunities for higher cap rate. I went in at 10 to 12 cap rate, which is almost mm -hmm. a hard in multifamily uh, asset. What? Sets. So and, and that's how me, I got into it. I love that, Charlotte. And tell me, what year was that when you were when you got in and you bought your first park? So I, I bought my first park actually in 2019. Okay. August 2019. I quit in March of 2019. I bought my first park in August 2019. Second park in November 2019, and third park in December 2019. And then 2020 had just been a rapidly growing, you know craziness and yeah. up until now we have 22 parks and uh, with the investor interest growing uh, we have just been really that is, growing that is fantastic wow that is Thank so you. awesome so take us back you said 10 to 12 caps and that piqued my interest uh, so what type of parks are you buying what what kind of fits the mold for john john's creek capital Right. So the parks we are buying have to go through a pretty rigorous algorithm that we develop internally, that we have certain parameters that this park needs to fit into. For example, public utilities, if it is, you know, private uh, sewer, it needs to be, you know, at least septic, definitely not treatment plan or anything like that. As far as the high cap rate, I think it goes, it, go, it gets down to finding the deal that doesn't have a lot of problem because if the cap rate is too high and that could mean something is wrong with the deal. So you definitely want to do your due diligence to know that it, it goes down to negotiating and a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of power dynamics that change throughout a deal from going to escrow to the end of closing. There is so much going on dynamic wise. There's always something going on. So you want to make sure you're a master at negotiating to be able to get the deal. Uh, you want to get that cap rate, the high cap rate. And overall, you know, at the end of the day, seller motivations change based on the market, right? When right now, when you're looking at mobile home parks, you know, 10 to 12 cap, it's a little bit more difficult. But when I got into it at 2019, that was more realistic. But now in 2021, there has been so much interest in the space. I think the cap rate across the country has been lower to, you know, on the high end, you'd be looking at 8%. So on the low end, you can get any, however low you want. So um, sure. yeah. And what's the average size of your communities? How many lots are those? Right. So our, our parks actually focus on the small to medium size. So we have anywhere from 10 lots to 30 lots. So it, it's really, a, you know, we, we focus on the small to medium sized one because those ones are, you know, like I said, it's a niche within a niche, uh, mm -hmm. actually within a mobile home park asset class. And a lot of people, most people focus on the 50 lots and plus, and sometimes 100 lots depends on who you are. But for us, I think the money is in the niches and we wanted to focus on a particular area where we can make the numbers work, make the operating model work, even if it's a small park. So I think there is yeah. a special opportunity and potential there. I agree with that. You know, there's a lot of big investors, you know, like the Carlisle Group, Apollo, Blackstone, you know, mm -hmm. uh, all these huge investors 
getting into the space and along with all these bigger funds and they're all right. going after a hundred lots or higher, you know, open door capital, hundred exactly. lots or higher. So mm-hmm. I think that you're right. I think there is a niche inside of that and there's, there's money to be made on these smaller parks. Absolutely. Uh, answer me this park owned homes or tenant owned homes, which do you prefer? Right. We definitely prefer tenant owned homes. So I think that's something that everybody in the industry can agree on. Well, maybe not everybody. So for it depends on what it is. For a park, you know, mobile home park is a parking lot business. So if you want to get into the parking lot business, you should stay away from park owned home, which is essentially fixing furnaces, fixing water leaks, running toilet. That's not something that we want to get into. And that, that goes against the operating model of the mobile home parks and really takes away the advantage. Now, having a park-owned home is not the end of the day. Uh, you have to look at the age of the home, the conditions of the homes, if the homes are really just dilapidated or they're, you know, they're a brand new model, that makes a big difference. So I think you can you can make more income uh, if you have park-owned homes. It just really depends on the condition. But overall, I would say for the ability to finance the park at the end of the day, when you want to sell for the buyer, for your own profit and sanity, I think it, it will be better to have a majority tenant-owned home in, in, in your um, Okay. In your portfolio. And that's what you but, guys try yeah. to do. You buy them and then sell them off on like lease options or something. Similar. Right. That that would be the plan. I think that's actually okay. a pretty good value at strategy. And, you know, okay. it, it really depends on the deal. A lot of deals, you know, the deal only works if you have the income that comes from park home homes. And mm. that could be a solid strategy. It really just depends on the model of the home, the condition and how old they are, how much they really need maintenance because they can be a pot of gold but eventually you want to transition them off. And if you don't, you want to have a plan to, to see how you want to exit. So you just need yeah. an exit plan. Yeah. yeah, there's different strategies out there. And, and not that I don't think one or the other could make more money. I just right. think the tenant-owned home model is more scalable and it's just easier absolutely. to manage. You agree? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Tell me on your smaller parks, what is your average expense ratio? What do your parks so, normally run at? Right. Good question. So I think that for smaller parks, the average expense ratio, you're looking at 50 to 60%. It depends on how small it is because some real estate expenses are fixed. For example, real estate insurance, taxes, mobile home insurances. And uh, if you have, even if you have a small park, like I said, that's another disadvantage of a park owned home is you have to mow the yard for the, the homes and that's another expense so some expenses are fixed but some expenses are you know so along with for a bigger part you're looking at 30 to 40 percent expense ratio but smaller parks you have that 30 to 40 percent but some you still have to fix uh, yeah. expenses but that's not to say the profit margin is low it's just you, you also have a higher revenue stream sure. uh, and you also buy at a higher cap rate mm-hmm. so it, it really there is so there's so many factors that go into it at the end of the day is the final number that counts oh totally yeah the bottom line for sure and that's what for i've sure. noticed as well you know on a few of our smaller parks they just run a little bit higher on the expenses because there's just less units to kind of spread out the uh, the expenses over. So for sure. Uh, yeah. That's and right on. you, you want to buy the small parks at a very inexpensive price and a great yeah. deal because, you know, because oh, it's yeah. small, it has and to be a really, really good deal. So. And you're going to get better yeah. deals. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. Totally agree. Tell me this, uh, Charlotte, what has been the toughest hurdle for you in the business thus far? I think from an operational standpoint, the toughest hurdle would be, I think, 
I think upon acquisition, it would be dealing with any code violations that the park has. And mm -hmm. a lot of times an acquisition would trigger an inspection from the fire marshal. And we have dealt with parks where they inspected the park and told us that there are a ton of code violations that we have to fix. And that that definitely uh, is a hurdle. And from a business standpoint, from a John Street Capital standpoint, it, that the biggest hurdle would just be I guess for for us, you know, like any business, uh, try to get get the word out, put ourselves out there, and I think we're we're doing just that. But uh, yeah, that, so in a nutshell, that that would be that would be it. Awesome. And Charlotte, how do you handle the management of your parks? You know, the property management day to day. Yeah. So for day to day, we have uh, the system is that my business partner is in charge of. He's the head of all property management and of the of the entire portfolio but for individual parks we also have local individual teams that handle that so you know because our parks span across nine different states and i think adding more now 10 so we actually there's no way to manage it unless you have localized teams to handle the day-to-day -day boots on the ground operations so we have local contractors even tenants within the park that would picked out to to become the watch person uh, of the park and we have just really work with the town with, with the city to have the the right people on your local team to be able to handle the operation so in, in a nutshell it will be a smaller teams locally and then reporting to a higher level to us so you said 10 different states is what yes. your portfolio is spread across wow I, so that's yes. That has to be somewhat challenging, right? So you're based out of Georgia, is that correct? Okay. So is it all in the southeast, or are some, you know, wh where are your 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 properties located? So the majority of them are well are in the Midwest and the southeast. So we are focused primarily on on landlord friendly states and with certain policies that 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 help the business model. There are certain certain places we wouldn't go to. Uh, because of the you know economy and the market, um, but yeah, we are we're, we're across a lot of different states, and those states, all of the markets we're in, you know, it's really not about the state. A lot of times, it's about the local market, and if, if the local economy and then the e economy of the county, of the city, of the metro area uh, is strong, then definitely will that that would fit into our criteria. So, okay, uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, Tell us, Charlotte, how do you find your deals? Are you going through brokers? Are you uh, going other avenues? Yeah, so we really, it's really like a funnel system for all of our deals. So all the channels that you mentioned, the broker, online, or relationship, the sellers that you know, the sellers you've bought from, the people that you just, you know, properties that you just drive by, any, any channel, all of the channels actually come together as a lease machine where we analyze the deals and make an offer, make a decision on it. So there isn't really any deal out there, at least for our small to medium level parks that we haven't really uh, looked at. So that I can say that as long as it exists out there, it's on the internet or it's in a broker's hand, we want to make sure that we, we get our hands on it to take take a look and see if we want to pursue it. Wonderful. So over your time period owning parks and investing in parks, you know, what would you say are the most important things that passive investors, you know, we're talking limited partners here, right. what are the things that they need to look out for when investing into the mobile home park asset class, the most important? 
Right. So all of our investors are passive investors and limited partners. And I think the most important thing to look look out for in this asset class is, you know, is it sounds cliche, but really you need to vet the sponsor because at the end of the day, the asset class has is potential. And that is pretty obvious to, to a lot of people. And you really want to know that your sponsor is doing their homework and they, they have your best interest in line. And you really want to make sure that the deal structure uh, your sponsor provides um, aligns their interest with yours. And they're working hard for your return. And for us, is is we have a preferred rate of return and then we have a waterfall structure. So that way it, it makes sure that we, we are aligned with our investor interest. So you really want to make sure the sponsor is solid and the deal um, is solid as well. But I think that all comes from the sponsor. So I like that. Yeah. A lot of our visitors or, or guests on the show have, have mentioned, you know, vetting the sponsor. And I, I totally agree with that. I like how you said, you know, a lot like alignment of interest with how the deal is structured, you know, right. where there's a preferred return and a, you know, a waterfall. So the investors win first, right? They're, right. they're exactly risking their capital. Uh, and then the, the GPs win after that. I think, I think if you're looking at a structure overall, I think that is probably one of the best, you know, right. to kind of, kind of set up a deal. Um, exactly. To earn, earn their trust, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you want to make sure that their, their, uh, their strategy, your sponsor is really, a believer in that's what we believe in anyways is that if you if you help others make money you'll make money at the end of the day and that really perfectly interprets this the sponsorship the, the the structure it really is at the end of the day everybody wins if if, if your investors win you win if yeah. not nobody you won't win totally. so that's I, I think that's important oh definitely charlotte tell us what the perfect mobile home park looks like in your eyes and why i think right now a perfect mobile home park uh, would look like, I, I think lot number is, you know, the, 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 there, there are two ways to look at it. So from the structure of the park will be all public utilities directly built back to tenants. Uh, you look at 50 lots with all tenant-owned homes, market uh, lot rent, not at market, but slightly below market with, with some, some, some room to improve and to increase rents. And also in a uh, major MSA, but again, if it is, and then from you know the deal numbers perspective, uh, regardless of the, the the park size, the park infrastructure size or infrastructure um, type, you'd be looking at uh, a, a cap rate and the interest rate difference about three to uh, three to five percent. Because if you're buying at a cap, you want to make sure your interest rate is at least. 5% or below because with you know smaller than that it's just not making sense math mathematically so so two ways to look at this mathematically and from the operational infrastructure of the park totally and i i'm a i'm a fan of uh, frank rolf when he says mm. you know you want a three point spread like you mm, said between right. your cap rate and your interest rate because right. that'll generate a 20% return Right uh, on the the invested capital. So if you're mm -hmm. if you're getting a five percent gap between the interest rate and the cap rate, you're spreading it a little bit wider, which is you know which is really great. The bigger the better, right? So the bigger the better, case, yeah. Yeah, or spread, yeah. <laughs> awesome, Charlotte. Tell us what are some mistakes you've made so far in the in the space. Right. So I think 
mistakes. I, I think I would say that for, for it's actually not in, in our portfolio. It's my own personal park that I acquired. Uh, the second park that I acquired out of for with my own money, and you know, there there are no investors involved. So for for that one, I think the biggest mistakes again, I didn't have enough spread. The spread mm. it was way too small, and the tenant base was just not solid. And you know, the non-payment was a big issue, and especially during the COVID. Well, we're still going through that, but during the eviction moratorium, they didn't have to pay rent, which really made it difficult. For me to operate, so that I guess the biggest mistake is not having enough spread and not having a solid tenant base. What is the value proposition at Johns Creek Capital? Uh, what would you say makes you guys different from other operators out there? I, I would say that we really offer one is the really the personal experience, the customer relationships that we have with our investors. And two, our deal structure is actually pretty, is very attractive uh, compared with a lot of the deals out there. I think a lot of operators offer maybe 7% preferred return and then re the rest of that, you just split it 50-50. But we actually have a 8% preferred return and then a waterfall structure after that. And then thirdly, I think really our, our value proposition, what we're really focused on really brings back to uh, the topic of this, the, this, this talk is really that uh, we focus on small to medium level parks and we really focus on a different cap rate to begin with. And um, it's, it's a you know solid deal to begin with. So every single one of our deals, uh, we that the deals can stand on its own without pouring a ton of capital to it. So that's important to, to us because it starts cash flow positive from day one. We don't want something mm -hmm. that that sinks uh, from, from day one. You have to put bandage on bandage on it just for it to stop bleeding. So I think, you know, just really being a different niche within the niche, that's really our difference. And other than that, I think it boils down to who we are as people. So, you know, about my background and partner, my partner's background is also very uh, fascinating. He's had a lot of experience, uh, you know, raising funds, running, running uh, different assets. He's run funds before and he has a really fantastic life story. Uh, I think uh, probably more interesting mine, than mine even. So I think all of those above really makes up who we are. Yeah. Would you mind sharing the name of your, your partner, Charlotte? Yeah. His name's Rick Klopp. Rick Klupp? Klupp. Klupp, okay. Yeah, uh -huh. would love to you know, maybe have him on the show at some sure. point. And he's the one that is in charge of the property management, correct? Correct, he is. Okay, awesome. Yeah, because I would love to learn more about that because that's been one of the hurdles for us in my portfolio is with these smaller parks, they're, they're just, they're more labor intensive. They're harder to yeah. manage you know, they are. Uh, and get a good on-site manager that sticks around has been difficult because you're not able to pay them as much. Right. Um, so would love to uh, hear, you know, have Rick on the show to share some, yes. some of his top secret tips. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So it's, it's really a business strategy that both of us will have to, you know, think about. So for smaller parks, you can't think about it the same way as a big park and you can't mm -hmm. operate it the same way. Like an on-site manager, that simply doesn't work. So you can't really pay someone like 8% or something to manage a small park. It, it just doesn't work for, for on-site manager. And you just have to think outside of the box uh, about how you manage things there. Yeah. All right. Great. 
yeah, I definitely think you have a, a unique niche, you know, that yeah. uh, will enable you to transact, you know, because I think there's there's some other operators getting creative. I, I saw there was a recent investment fund that was just for private utilities, like they were targeting private utility parks yeah. to try to differentiate themselves as mobile home parks become more popular. So, um, yeah, you know, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, if you're comfortable with it and you know, it's you know, a bigger you know a risk, about it. but you can have a lot of cash flow. That's another topic. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Charlotte. Well, how can our listeners get a hold of you if they'd like to do so? Right. So uh, they can contact me at uh, cdunford at johnscreekcapital.com, or you can just go to our website at johnscreekcapital.com and there will be a, a contact us tab and you can be able, you'll be able to uh, fill out a form and contact me there. And uh, yeah, and I'm sure you will link the contact info below your episode. I will. I'll put that in there. For sure. Thank you so okay. much for joining me, Charlotte. This was This was awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's it for today, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over 100 five-star reviews by the end of 2021, and it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.